Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Back Lounge podcast. My name is Tank. I'm your host. I am a roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And if you're new here, what we do on this podcast is invite artists, band members, other roadies, and anybody else in the music industry, and we just have conversations about whatever comes up. This isn't just a standard Q&A interview. We often get off the rails on these episodes, and that's when we really have fun, man. And for today's episode, I have another very special guest, Chris Harms, the vocalist for Lord of the Lost. And I feel as though I'm underselling it a bit there because Chris Harms is not just a vocalist for a band, man. This guy is a multi-instrumentalist, producer, audio engineer. There's not a lot that he doesn't have his hand in in terms of music business stuff and music industry. The guy does so much stuff. A lot of it we talked about in this podcast episode, and it was really cool, man. I had so much more in common with him than I ever thought I would. And he shared a lot of really cool stories and stuff that they have coming up. And I'm really excited to bring this episode to you guys. And before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that Lord of the Lost actually just released a brand new EP called The Heartbeat of the Devil. Now, that song was actually on their previous album that came out, but they re-released it as a single and an EP. So there's a single version of it. There's a piano version on this EP as well. And then there's three cover songs that they did. One of which is an Iron Maiden song. And that is no coincidence because these guys are going to be touring with Iron Maiden for the next few months, man. And I mean, I couldn't imagine getting that phone call if I was in a band. Iron Maiden handpicked Lord of the Lost to open for them on a leg of their tour, man. That is absolutely huge and insane and crazy. And I'm so happy for these guys. And if anybody would like to keep up with the band, you could head over to lordofthelost.de. They have links to all of their social media, their merchandise, and a lot of other stuff. And they're going to be really busy with tour dates and live shows. So go check it out. I would love to get the chance to see these guys live. Eventually I've watched a lot of videos online, but from what I hear from people that have been to shows in person, these guys are incredible. Now, one last thing before we start, just as a reminder to everybody watching or listening, there is a video version of this available on my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash tank the tech. We have video versions of all of these podcast episodes, so you can actually see our guests and myself having the conversation, but it's also on audio on Spotify, Apple, Google, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. So whether you're at work or at the gym or just want to listen and can't focus on the video, the audio is available. But now that that's all out of the way, let's just get into this podcast episode. So without wasting any more time, Chris Harms from Lord of the Lost. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here, man. How are you? Thank you for having me. I watched your reactions. I liked them. And (laughs) I was like, uh, I need to talk to that guy. And now I'm here. Oh, well, I appreciate it, man. This is, you know, this one got moved around a lot because of how busy you've been and stuff at home and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm finally glad that we got this to work out. Um, yeah, because, you know, over the past two years, everybody had nothing but time, really. And now people are getting back to being busy and you guys are doing shows and we'll we'll talk about all that. But I'm really excited for this, man, because. 
I was a little late to the party with Lord of the Lost. And it's actually kind of interesting because I love how music can get you at different points in your life and at, po at certain times. Because when I first did a reaction to um, Lord of the Lost, I was I was super into it. I got Judas when it came out and I, I loved the album. But for some reason now, months and months later, I'm like a hundred times more into the music than I was back then just because of the state of mind that I've been in lately. Like, that's so rad about music. I love that. So, all that being said, thank you for a wonderful album last year. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we, you know, it's what's weird for, what's weird for us. I, um, we, we got out this album and actually the first thing you do after like putting out an album is like touring it. So you kind of really experience it. Of course, like as a musician, you write it, you produce it, you do all, you do all this stuff, but actually playing it live gives you the feeling like at one point you're done with the record in a positive way. And I haven't been there. And meanwhile, we recorded a new album for like, sometime next year and i feel like i kind of betrayed my judas girlfriend you know yeah it's, it's like i i wasn't done with her him it judas so that's <laughs> it, it's weird so we're, we're really like we're looking forward touring it but we did not want to name the tour judas tour because it felt so wrong after more than one year to kind of, I don't know, rehash everything. So we called it homecoming tour because being on tour is a, a musician's home. So oh yeah, it's it's it, it, it's weird. It's, it was the first time, and it was like the biggest record we've done so far, the most successful, the biggest production. Everything was over the top, like real church organ, real choir, real orchestra, all the shit. And we didn't tour it, man. That yeah. was just weird. But yeah, yeah it's it's a th long story short. Thank you for your nice words and yeah yeah it's it's wild because um normally whenever i i do a podcast episode or a reaction to something that i think is cool like i'll show it to my wife as well and when i was telling her about doing this episode with you she was like what band was that again and i showed her uh, a couple of the videos and actually just 10 minutes ago before we jumped on here I pulled up the music video for priest which is one of my personal favorite tracks on that record along with 2000 years of pyre as well like i just there's something about those songs that when they come on i just stop and i listen um and our daughter who's one is starting to get into whatever's on the tv and she likes music so when it came on she jumped off my wife's lap and ran up to the tv and was just staring at it and then she started kind of moving and dancing and getting excited and it's it's so cool to see the little ones get into music like that especially when it's something i like too yeah it's always crazy when you see kids with what music they vibe you know that it's something something you cannot teach them they, they like what they like and mm -hmm. you see what which music gets them and it, that's super interesting i always hate when i see parents who are trying to teach their children the right music and like yes. pre prevent them from listening to the wrong music because they don't like it man give your kid some space it's just music you know yeah but it's 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 always nice to see when you like something and your kid is kind of clicking with it as well and yeah. you see okay okay <laughs> it's my kid <laughs> and it's and it's made me start listening to a lot of other things too because my wife and i have pretty uh different music tastes we overlap we like some of the same things but 
Um, when our daughter was early, we discovered that she really likes Lizzo. Whenever a Lizzo song comes on, she knows what it is and she starts dancing. And now I've started listening to all the Lizzo albums because she likes it. And now I like it. Like, I'm a huge fan. And I don't even know what that is. Yeah, and you, uh, you need to. How, how do you spell that? L-I-Z-Z-O. She's an okay, American maybe. artist. I believe she's from Louisiana, but... Um, mm -hmm. Lizzo, I, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, she's, I would say, like, pop, hip-hop, R&B artist, but her music is very upbeat, and she also plays flute and brings it into a lot of her music, and it's really cool. <laughs> so, cool. No, um, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, most of the times, I'm super lazy with exploring new artists unless someone tells me, like you, where I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. there's a reason to check something out, because I'm not, like, checking out stuff every day. Yeah, because I'm I'm always so focused on the things I'm doing in the studio as a producer for many artists, and I feel like if I listen to random music in my free time as well, I kind of get too much of it. So, I, but when I, but when someone tells me, I get interested. I relate to that a lot, and I've said that on my YouTube channel because for me, starting a, a starting a YouTube channel and doing reactions was the greatest thing that I ever did for myself for discovering music, because I've been on tour for the last 15 years of my life. And most of the time when I'm on tour, I listen to whatever music is around us to stay in that scene and be up to speed with like what's going on. So for example, the last five with years- the, With the dynamics, with the dynamics of the group. Yes. You know, because like, you, you know that backstage, most bands listen to very different stuff than they very. do on stage, but still it's the dynamic of the group. So yeah. yeah. So, you know, for the last five years, I've been working for a country artist based out of Nashville. And I don't necessarily like country, but I've been very up to speed with the current bands that are out and stuff like that. So people didn't believe me when I started doing reactions and I had listened to all these bands for the first time. And I was just like, it's the same with you. Like you said, it's you're so focused on what you're doing that you're not actively discovering new things that are out unless somebody else presents it to you. I mean, it's nice when, when people are surprised in a good way. But sometimes I meet people like, hey, why, why do you listen to that? Man, you're a metal kind of guy or you're a gothic person. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's like my, my variety, my, my taste and the, the variety of my taste in music is so vastly large. And I like that. Mm -hmm. I, I can just love one single song of some artist if it gives me a nice feeling. And I've said it 1000 times already. But for me, there's not bad music. There's just different tastes. Of course, there's like music can be badly produced or some things can be wrong. Something is out of tune or whatever things you can actually measure. But like in general, for me, there's no bad music. And yeah. it's always so weird when people try to put you in a frame that you do not even see for yourself. And that always starts with music. Then it goes over fashion, haircut, whatever. It can be everything. Yeah. So you like like these glasses here. You got why do you have gold glasses? Your your golden glasses. You're a metal person. Like, fuck yourself. Go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's. Yeah. I've talked about this with so many artists that have been on here. Actually, yesterday I filmed an episode with Tom England from Evergrey, and we were talking oh, about great. this. And we were like, you know, music is such a personal thing for people that you know I've adopted later you know as an adult now i've adopted this whole i don't care who the artist is or what kind of music it is if it makes me happy and i feel something with it i'll listen to it i don't care what it yeah, is that's and, it. and and you're absolutely right a lot of people 
place people in boxes depending on what their musical style is. And I see it a lot with um, metal as well, where if I listen to something else, people be like, dude, this isn't, this isn't metal. And I'm like, yeah, I like other things. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not a real man. Why do you have a beard and listen to that kind of music? Yeah, dude, yeah. That, 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 that doesn't sit well. <laughs> I did a reaction yeah, yeah. to a hip hop song on my YouTube once and people were so confused. They were just like, but why is this on here? You like metal. I was like, yes, I also like hip hop and R and B and some jazz and old rock and roll. And like, I listen to every little thing that yeah. just makes me feel good. So that's always yeah, funny. funny. Yeah. Really. But it, that actually feeds into something that I love about your band is, and, and all of you guys, cause I follow most of you on Instagram too. And, um, one of the things that is impressive and admirable is that you guys very much seem to just be yourselves. You say what you think, you act how you feel you want to. Like, you guys don't seem to be conforming to any kind of stereotype of anything. Was that something that you guys have always been dead set on, or is that something that you just developed as you went on, like, fuck everybody else, like, we're just going to do our thing? I think I needed a while to get there. When, when I watch interviews with myself um, from 20 years ago, um, with my first bands, or even before, and I'm... 42 now so i do this a whole while and when i watch an interview with myself from being 20 years old i can actually see which person i'm copying or i'm trying to copy in these interviews because i want to be as cool as that person i try to speak like them i try to say the same kind of things and whatever and it really it, it was just because i wasn't comfortable already with who i was and how i behaved and same with my voice you know you try this you try that you try to sound like that singer that singer and then there was a point like maybe like for the third lord of lust album sometime in 2012 or 2013 where i started to believe that the way i am if it's stage announcements or my way of singing or an interview or social media, if the way I started to believe myself that the way I am might be cooler than trying to be cool. And I, I really need a long time to get there. Sometimes I see people in their late twenties and they have, they are that relaxed already. I, I wasn't there. Now I am there. And that, that is one of the benefits of getting older. You just give much less fucks about unimportant things mm -hmm. and being like just you know just being natural how, how can how should someone believe me that i'm an authentic artist when i'm trying to be someone in a situation like here trying to be kind of you know cool and this and that and blah 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 i don't like that so i really was like no matter how much makeup i have on stage I talk normal to people. I don't like it when I see these old school metal bands on stage and they announce a new song. The next song is <laughs> blah, 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 of death. Yeah, yeah, And you're like, Ugh. dude, <laughs> just like, I mean, it's their thing. I respect it, but I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I, I want to connect with real people. So mm -hmm. we... I talked to the guys and I was like, hey, I don't know how you see it, but we still have control of what we show and what not. I don't show like every little detail of my life. And I actually take care in an interview like that. I take care of what's 
in the background what do i want to present to people because this is my safe space this is my house yeah but what you see of me what what i give you all the people out there is always 100 true not a mask nothing fake about it and i talked to the guys was like i i want to keep things open like that do you want to join me with this approach and they were like yeah we, we really like that so yeah i mean it's fantastic because i relate a lot to that because when i was younger and i think it is a young thing you know we're always striving to fit in and be accepted by other people and yeah. we care more about what other people think than we do but when you get to a certain point in your life you're just over it and for me that was about probably three or four years ago i just I gave up. I, I, I didn't want to keep trying so hard to be accepted by everybody else and have everybody think I'm cool because at the end of the day, not everybody, you're never going to get to a point where every person you encounter is going to think positively of you anyways, for whatever reason they have. And you do not even want that yeah. in the end. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and what you said about the stage thing is so funny because when I had uh, Vicky from the agonist on here, she was talking about that. She's like, you know, it has to be a believable thing. It's like, if I walk on stage with my band, this little tiny girl, and was like, all right, you motherfuckers, this next one, like, nobody's going to believe that. So she's like, I just talk to the crowd like I would. And I, I appreciate that, man, especially coming from the music industry. And I think the, the general public in the crowd can sense that too. Like, when they see that somebody's trying too hard or they're trying to be somebody else, like, it's a noticeable thing. So. Yeah, I mean, about Lord of Loss is a lot of theater, really a lot. Yes. During the songs on stage or in a music video, um, I'm I'm not only playing a role like in a video like like priest. I'm also playing a role in some performance videos because I want to. It's it's a piece of art, you know. I want to mm -hmm. express. I want to give the viewer a certain feeling, like with the music, by what the viewers actually uh seeing there of course but like in normal situations between the sets between the songs and interviews i really try to keep it as normal and as much 100 me as possible although this might clash here and there because it's always it's you know that, that there's no gray areas between it's like that you have the lord of lost show with all the makeup and then suddenly i'm this normal person maybe still wearing make wearing makeup and 20 years ago i would have said no this doesn't work you always have to stay in character and stuff but i see it very differently now i think it totally works so yeah. i think also the the time of those super mysterious artists um it in most cases it, cases it does not really work it worked for a while with bands like ghost and or dua lipa in the beginning or things like that you you have artists where it, it works for a while but even these artists after a while they they want to connect because they're real people they want real feelings as well mm -hmm. i get it yeah the only yeah. person it's it's funny you bring up that point because you know when i was a teenager um slipknot was all the rage when they came out in the states and for yeah. their first album cycle nobody knew who they were and they did a very good job at keeping that covered and then about the time Iowa came out, everybody, you know, at that point knew their names. There were pictures getting leaked. The only artist right now I can think of, and this is just me, I don't know, but the only artist I can think of off the top of my head who I have no idea who they are that does a good job of keeping that mystery is uh, Skinned. 
Like whenever I see that, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, if you know, right. you don't yeah. have to no, say. No. I'm just that's no, no. I, 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 I don't know them personally. I, I was just, I, I'm really just thinking. Yeah, Be I don't know, but I, I, yeah, that's sleep, true. Sleep token is another one as well. Yeah, sure. But, but, but yeah, but, 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 but with skinned, you know, you, you actually see a real face kind of yeah so with, with slipknot it was much more mysterious back then i don't know that was there like an album before the, the 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 red one actually so they had um they had an album called mate feed kill repeat that was i believe oh, yeah. i believe it was independently released and they had a couple different band members in the band too Corey taylor wasn't even the original singer on that yeah i know they had this old bass player or something or yeah guitar player which, which just jumped in after the other one died and stuff yeah but i remember because in germany it started with the what's actually the, the album name slipknot right Slipknot, self-titled yeah. yeah yeah i remember i was 18 or 90 20 Wait, when did it come out uh 99 i think yeah that was 19 i i was blown away yeah L listening to sick for the first time <laughs> yeah you're like i i I thought my head was going to explode. I was hooked from the first second. Oh, that was the first time in my life. So when I was very young, I just by chance, uh, the Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat movie soundtrack had Fear Factory and Typo Negative and I think like <laughs> Biohazard and Napalm Death. And that was my intro. I think I was like nine years old. That was my real intro to... Some of the heavier sounds I heard. Fear Factory is the first like metal band that I ever really got into. And then growing up in Chicago, Ministry was really big in the area. Um, but the first time I heard that self-titled Slipknot CD, that was the first time I heard something that just that <laughs> like it was all of us in school were like, this is insane. It, it was so alive because there was so much chaos. Of course, mm -hmm. like when you when you listen to Demanufacture by Fear Factory, it's it's great and like also production wise, what how they did with the drums and those samples and stuff, crazy, crazy amount of work. But it was so technical. And when Slipknot came out, it was just like, fuck you all. The, the, you know, the, there was <laughs> yeah. the, there was also in the production in the music, it was just mayhem. Yeah, and that was new to me because all bands back then were on the brink of starting to sound so exact and technical because yeah. all the triggering started and all that shit. And then came Slipknot and you were just, just blown away by the mayhem. It was yeah. Fucking crazy. And, and after that first self-titled album, a lot of my friends and I were, we were so excited for the second album, Iowa, but I was like, are they going to be able to like replicate what they did in the first one? And in my opinion, I actually personally like Iowa better now i don't think it's a better album it's just that's the album for me that is like the be all end all slipknot album and they had they had a stretch there where they captured magic around the end of the 90s and early 2000s and influenced a lot of other bands with that yeah, sound yeah. yeah but um let's going back to your music you're <laughs> you are so involved with so many things i actually think lord of the lost is one of the hardest bands for me to keep up with in terms of what you're actually doing just because it's so much like you guys seem to never stop especially you you have so many collaborations and guest features i actually have a funny i kind of felt embarrassed about this that i want to share with you 
when the Eurovision announcements were coming out, everybody was expecting the whole electric callboy. They were pushing really hard to get put into Eurovision. So when Germany announced their finalists and Electric Callboy wasn't in there, I, I, I did a video on my YouTube channel. I was like, all right, let's check out these these bands that Germany put through and let's see what's <laughs> going on. So I start watching all these bands. And the first one that came up was the song Alive. And I think my exact words were, it sounds great, but it sounds like something you'd hear from like a Christian band in the States. And then later somebody was like, take a look at that video again. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And then they're like, take a look at that string player. And I was like, is that Chris Harms? I was like, oh my God. Like, how did you get, I mean, how did you get involved with that? I mean, you're doing so much with so many people. I'm, um, I'm a music producer and songwriter mm -hmm. beside Lord of Lost for many different bands. And that artist that was in the pre-decision show for the Euro, Euro, Eurovision Song Contest for Germany, um, he was produced in our studio. So the song just got written there in my room and produced there. So we, with our production team, this was our production. And uh, yeah, he just needed musicians for... Uh, for the stage and stuff. Uh, so three of us guys from the production team did it. It was me. Then it was uh, Marcel, the guitar player. He, he played bass there. He's actually in Die Krups, you know, one of the yep. old yep. industrial bands. And then uh, my colleague Eike, he, who was like the singer of Dark Age, a melodic death metal band from Germany. And he's producing all the all those big metal artists in our studio so it was actually funny that this young german guy uh had like this hard <laughs> yeah heavy heavy backup band so that was just for for the for the video and and for the tv show and what, what do you say about the many guest features i have have or i i will have in the future i started a project last august because i felt like I want to give something back to the industry because actually you have all these talks like we're having right now. You have mm -hmm. them at festivals and you meet people on tours and you actually do things like that. Like, hey, maybe you want to sing on our song or vice versa. And all these things didn't happen. And, you know, COVID, the COVID times, they were good to us. People bought a lot of merch and they really helped us to survive this thing as musicians. So I felt like I want to give something back to the system. So I made a post on Facebook called My Voice on Your Song and told bands that, that I don't know, hey, write me. I'm going to sing on your song like it. And I received like 400 mails in two or three days and I picked wow. 30 songs. And um, yeah, I did like 20 now. I still have 10 left until the end of summer and I, I keep postponing that because i only can do it when i have time yeah. so after one year i will have done 30 guest vocals for wow. 30 bands from all over the world from brazil to belarus to finland to mexico you know everything is great that's, such that's a great so experience cool. that's so cool man like i didn't know that i just I assumed because most of us, you know, that follow you and know the band know that, you know, you produce, you're an audio engineer, stuff like that. So I figured a lot of the connections that you had made were just with people you've worked with. That is such yeah, you a know, wild the, the, thing. The, the, the thing is, that's always so mean. When I'm producing artists and they ask me to, if I can sing on one of their songs, in nine of 10 cases, 
I say no, or I try, I try that they accept the no, because I don't want people like, okay, this is produced by Chris Harms. And again, he forced the artist to have his song on their yeah. record. So because I don't want, want it to be seen that way, uh, because some people really do. So I always try to keep it low here. I, I can't have my voice on everything I produce. So no, there was actually just a, um, yeah, a project. And I made contact with so many talented, great bands from all genres. It was just amazing. Yeah. And there are so many good musicians all over the world. Like one thing that I've realized doing all of this YouTube stuff is one, it's kind of a bummer because you'll never be able to discover all of the talent that's out there. Like whenever I no. hear, whenever I see people online try and argue that like their favorite band is the best band with the best musicians in the world, yeah, like, there's no way the best musicians in the world are people that we will probably never, ever see because either they don't want to be seen or just happenstance they never get signed or they never get distribution for anything i mean some of the best musicians i've ever seen have been like growing up in chicago my dad used to take me to baseball games all the time and we'd see street musicians that were just unbelievable like yeah unbelievable. this 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 is the thing i just uh told my dad uh, a couple of days ago i visited my parents and yeah, they always ask, like, how was it on tour? Because we just been on tour with, with our mm -hmm. ensemble orchestra. And then um, we talked about some other band. And he was like, why is that band so much bigger than yours? I was like, it just, I, I can't explain that to you. There's mm -hmm. so many factors. Just wait. And he, he was like, but you're so much better. I was <laughs> like, hmm, first, let's agree to disagree. Because you can't measure that. Second, if being good would be a guarantee for success, then there would be so much more successful musicians. Mm -hmm. A good song is not automatically a hit. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's what it is. That there's so many factors about it. And one factor you must never forget is luck, of course. Yes. Be between all those other factors, luck is always a component not to forget. But it was just so cute, you know, like, but it's, it's, um, I know so many artists that deserve so much more. And I have seen so many artists, which I do not know personally, but I, I want to believe that they don't deserve it, although they might do. Yeah, because I just don't like what they're doing. But that's just again, just my taste. So it's not mm -hmm. nothing wrong about them. It's just me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, man. It's, you know, there's the luck part that you brought up is such a big thing in the music industry because I even for me as is just somebody who's as simple as a guitar tech that's not playing music anymore. A lot of people have always asked like, how did you become a roadie or how did you how did you work with Van Halen? How did you work with Journey like bigger names? And I always say it, some of that is luck. Some of that yep. is somebody that I met a couple years ago that just happened to remember me when they needed to fill a spot on a tour. Luck and being in the right place at the right time are a lot to do with music industry stuff. And on top of that, the certain lineups of bands with chemistry and stuff. I mean, there are bands right now, and I'll use uh, Lorna Shore, American symphonic deathcore band. They've been around for over 10 years and they just got a new vocalist a year ago 
And since he's joined that band, that band is exploding, bigger than they've ever been in their entire career. And I tried to explain in one of my videos, this is one of those situations where even though this band has been around forever, you just finally have the perfect lineup of people that are tailored to be in this band together and make this kind of music where everything's yes. finally clicking. Yeah, but you, you know the funny thing, what then happens sometimes, and I experienced that as well, um, when Lord of Lost got more successful, and we, we never had like one big breakthrough, but we had tiny breakthroughs piece by piece. But there were people that kind of observed us having one, this one big breakthrough. And then there are people coming to me like, hey, Chris, how does it feel to have overnight sex success? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like overnights, like 20 years of night? And is that your <laughs> overnight success? Or what, what are you talking about? This is like, this is undermining your, your success, all your hard work so fucking hard to just say overnight success i i i hate that yeah it's like i really hate that yeah because you, you know that there's so so much so much you 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 give away in your first years so so much you you cannot achieve so much you have to uh i'm, I'm missing the word here um let me look up one word and you don't you don't have to to cut it off because i i know it but i sometimes just doesn't come out sacrifice there it is yeah there okay. there's, there's there's so many sacrifices you do and when some people come to me now because during the last years a lot of lost was successful also money with, with making money with music was good and just a couple of days a, a colleague from the past just asked me don't you think it's kind of unfair that just by making music now you're earning more money than some hardworking people that work in an office all day and i was like man do you know that i did not earn any money for like 10 years mm -hmm. do you think it's unfair now that i might earn the double amount of being a haircutter isn't that just like it's just another curve, you know? Some people go like yeah. that all their life. They start with a little money and end with a little money. I had nothing for years. And now I had some good years where I could actually buy a car without needing a credit from the bank. Mm -hmm. Is that unfair now? After working for that for 10 years, some people don't see it that way. They, they don't want you to have that success. Well, people, and yeah. a lot of that disconnect is from people that also don't have the experience. I mean, we look at bands right now that are, are you know, have a good name and are getting bigger, and people forget, like you said, about those years of sacrifice and hard work and experience that they gained to get to that point. And, you know, I, I, I relate to all that because before I became a guitar tech, I was in a band. And, I mean, we had three years non-stop in a van and trailer just the five of us in the band living off of nothing i mean i there were days where i would have to borrow two dollars from one of my guitar players to buy like a dollar cheeseburger at mcdonald's just so i could eat like i learned to live broke and stuff yeah so, i i totally know that 
Yeah, like, and people, people, um, people miss that part. They go to a show, they see their favorite bands on stage, and you know, even me, who was in a local band that got kind of big in my area, people looked at us and just thought that because we were on stage, we were larger than life. We had it made. We had money. Where in reality, my bank account was always negative, and that's. But then, actually, you made a good job in being a showman because that. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Make yourself bigger than you actually are. And let's let's let me be honest here. When you're watching one of our tour episodes called TV of the Lost, where mm -hmm. we always like is like a tour diary, which we're doing for 10 years now with like 500 episodes already. Yeah. We always try that like these things, they look a little bit bigger than they actually are. Yes. Because why would you do it? The other way around you want things to you want to glorify things in this kind of art that's that's okay so i'm not gonna lie about that so actually when people believed that you were like a fucking rock star while on the next day you had to i don't know ask for a dollar for a cheeseburger yeah. then you made a good job as a showman H have you have you listened to the audiobook of dave grohl the storyteller i have actually yeah, they, because that's the, all the things he he says that we 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 yeah. just listened to it on the way to Finland and back from Finland. We just been to Finland uh, in the in a recording studio for a couple of weeks, and we wanted to drive by car to have the tour experience. And mm -hmm. um, so we used the time to listen to the audiobook. It was really inspiring. Yeah, I mean, dude, Dave but, is man. I uh, I did a tour. Um, maybe like seven years ago at this point where I was doing pop-up merchandise stores for the Foo Fighters on their stadium tour. And I got really into Dave's stuff around that time where I read a lot of the stuff that he put out and stuff like that. And I, I realized at the time too, like this guy has such an interesting, like rock and roll showmanship mind when it comes to that stuff. Yes. And it's, it's, it's really cool to hear that perspective and, you know, Going back to what you said too, where the showmanship and the the acting like you're larger than life, that's a it, it's a thing in the music industry, man. And it even goes for roadies. Like I had I had an older sound engineer on a tour I did once that when I was younger, we were talking about touring and the in people's minds what they think happens backstage, where they're like everybody's partying and it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and it's all this and that. And I was like, it's funny that nobody realizes that that's not what's really going on. He goes, but let them think it. Let them think that's exactly what we're doing every single night. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I can show you what, like, what we're doing instead of sex, drugs, and rock and roll every day on tour. We're getting on some boxing boots, getting out the metal jumping rope. Yes. And we're working out and we're eating fresh and we're eating healthy and we're going to bed as early as possible. And we're only having sex with groupies when you fill when you fill out an online form before. <laughs> it's, it's all organized. That's amazing. Yeah, at least it's organized. <laughs> You know, and it's and it's funny, man, because I I I don't drink anymore either. Like, and I'm I'm Me neither. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I, open I about I this. I don't drink at all. No. Yeah, I'm I'm very open about it with people because in my earlier years, admittedly, I had major alcohol and drug issues, and I just got to a point where I didn't like who I was anymore. So 
I got help and I stopped. And when I tell people that I don't drink, it's it's always funny, man, because it's one of two things. It's either people are like, wow, that's really awesome, good for you. Or it's, how do you work in the music industry and you're sober? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I just don't. I mean, that's what it is. And, and there's also a third type of person. They are really interested and, and after two minutes of talking and explaining and understanding, they're like, you know, just to let you know, I, I can tolerate this. I I accept this. Mm -hmm. It was like, you, what, you accept that I don't drink alcohol? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so nice of you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was interesting. You're, you're, you're still cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was interesting yeah. when I first stopped drinking because I was touring in, again, in country and country, in my opinion, and I've done everything from rock, metal, pop, all that stuff. They party harder than any tours I've ever been on. It's just, it's almost a job requirement that you have to drink as much as you possibly can every single night. So when I stopped drinking, there was a sense in that community where actually people looked at me like I was weak. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a yeah. man because I'm not drinking. Yeah. I, I had a moment on a tour where we started a tour and after the first show, the singer for the headlining band uh, called like a big tour meeting backstage after the show, congratulating everybody for a good first show and had his tour assistant pour shots for everybody. And when they got to me, I was just like, oh, I'm good, thank you, I don't drink. And he saw me turn down the drink and in front of like 70 people on this tour was like, Hey man, we're all drinking here. You need to drink too. And I was like, no, it's not how this works. I'm, I'm not drinking just because you told me to. I just told you I don't drink. And he like started getting pissy about the fact that somebody on his tour wouldn't take a drink that was offered to them. And I'm just like, so there is that side of it too, where people look at you like you're weird because you're not drinking. Yeah, it's crazy, right? I, meanwhile, in the beginning was interesting to tell people, hey, I don't drink. And because it's something I... I actually think it's it's a good move in life mm -hmm. for myself. Yes. And meanwhile, I stop telling people when they offer me a drink, I just say, oh, not at the moment, I'm fine, or I need to drive yeah. or something. You know, then no one asks because, because sometimes I do not feel like I even want this topic yeah. on the table. So yeah. I'm just like, it's, it's the same with like being vegetarian or being vegan. So you it's it's hard to actually you, you can just say no I'm, I'm having potatoes instead of no i'm you, in, instead of saying i'm vegetarian or i'm vegans because you always have the topic on the table then and after a while it really gets annoying to always yeah. explain why you don't want to eat meat why you don't want to drink alcohol and all that shit and so. you see people treat you differently too like when i when i get on tours and people know i don't drink i'll see them try and be cautious around me where they'll like try and sneak beers or try and not drink. I'm like, guys, I'm not going to like explode here. If you have a beer in front of me, do your thing. What I do with yeah. my life is, is doesn't affect yours. So if you want to have a beer, have a beer. <laughs> like, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting though. But since we're, since we're kind of on the topic of touring and stuff like that, um, you guys have been doing some shows lately and mm -hmm. I actually, um, there's a member of our discord channel. His name's Andy. He's from Germany. Gotta be one of your, the biggest fans of yours that I personally know. He's constantly, you know, let me know about stuff. And he said he recently 
saw you after years of listening to you guys he recently saw you play live for the first time he brought his son to the show and he was like it's incredible like if you have the chance to see them ever you need to go see the show so are you are you touring pretty heavily right now or are you guys on a break i mean how many shows have you done recently uh, there was just five uh, okay. but with the with an ensemble orchestra and all acoustic so it was uh 14 people on stage no 13 because one couldn't come because of COVID. actually it's a 14 piece little orchestra including the band because um every now and then we're releasing an acoustic album with the yep. strings and piano and blah blah everything just acoustic and uh we released one two years ago so what we did now was the 2020 tour <laughs> oh, yeah, and um, we it, it was just five shows because we wanted to fill big concert halls like classical concert halls uh, where people can be seated and like historical halls that look like castles or big churches and stuff so it was that kind of tour not rock and roll so really real classy events higher ticket price um, a different kind of experience for the audience oh yeah we just did our 2020 ensemble tour and that was the first tour after our european tour in january february 2020 we had three shows or something in between or that they don't count as tour and yeah it was crazy going back and the weirdest thing about it was like after being in this kind of covid hibernation and then coming out again you want to explode on stage and also people before the stage and you know, it was a classic tour, so we were there with our suits and people were sitting with their evening dresses and all tidy and neat and nice. And it, it was super emotional. It was really beautiful, but it felt weird not to break loose and yeah. just smash stuff, you know. <laughs> still even even after two years how does that feel just getting together with the band and people in a room i mean that's got to be feel great it's you know i i've been the, the good thing about lord of losses we're all real close friends and lord of loss is not only five people it's also the life and the studio crew which is pretty much the same so we're a bunch of like 15 20 people that are real close and that are all banned to me this is how we work when we're writing songs then with we it's not me and four guys it's it's we yeah we we, we do these things together um so i see i see them all the time so it it wasn't new the only thing that was new was being on stage and i actually needed two or three days to actually realize that because i I didn't dare to really prepare for the tour because I was so afraid that it was being canceled three days before again. And I, I couldn't live with the disappointment anymore. So mm -hmm. I was just wait, waiting it out. And one mm -hmm. evening before the actual tour rehearsal, I started like gathering my lyrics and my uh, shallow scores and pack a bag. I didn't do anything before then. Because I, I didn't want to prepare. Yeah. So it so it was a real experience. Like, okay, this is how how it feels. I because I, I didn't prepare for it. I just we just jumped in the cold water. The only thing we prepared was like, of course, we had a, a long rehearsal in the concert hall, actually under life circumstances with all with the whole crew and all lights and everything. 
and all in-ear stuff monitoring everything was like super perfect and we bought new stuff blah 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 this is how we prepared but me myself as a singer as an let's say artist i was totally unprepared <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm actually going back out on tour in, for, in a few months for the first time again in two years and I've just been thinking about it too. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be like in the groove of this at all, because, you know, for the previous 10 years, I knew nothing but touring. And for the past two years, life has changed for so many people. I mean, I got used to being at home more. Uh, my wife and I had our first child. So I've gotten used to being a dad and always being at home. So now I'm like, I'm thinking about all the little things of going back out on tour and what I need to do and how I need to prepare. And I'm like, I'm going to be miss like half of the things that I, I actually need to prepare for. <laughs> yeah. About these things. I'm super German. I have this list. So yeah. we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all about lists. Like yeah. we have huge Excel, Excel, Excel sheets for productions uh, one is standing behind the trailer with a list. All cases have numbers yeah. and colors and everything I have on tour. I, I take everything double timed in case I lose something. And yep. so I, I'm super German about these things. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm similar so. once I get on the road, like that's how I was with calling truck packs. And it's like, I had sheets with case numbers and what's in them and all that stuff. But like when it comes to me personally, my wife always made fun of me for it because it's like, I'm the kind of person that I pack 20 minutes before I need to leave, which, you know, I probably forget something, but it's actually funny. Um, I, I'm not good, but for the past couple months, I have been taking German on Duolingo because the, oh, band, the band that I'll be touring with is German. And, um, most this, is, is, is it a, is it a secret who the band is no 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 it's it's electric cowboy all right um, yeah they're they're coming to the u.s and they asked me if i would guitar tech on that tour also so they could actually have an american on the tour with them that's been to a lot of these venues and yeah. um but the reason i started german was because believe it or not the highest viewer base on my youtube and twitch content is germany and oh, mo yeah. most of the people that are on our discord are german so you know, I've got, I've started learning some basics and I'm starting to get more into uh, conversational stuff, but I'm very good at reading and writing at this point. It's the fluent. Sehr gut. Yeah. 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 Very good. Sehr gut, sehr um, gut. But it's the fluent conversation that's getting, that's more difficult. Yeah, um, of course. I can pick out words here and there. Like if I, like recently I watched one of Electric Cowboy's tour vlogs from their current tour. And I can pick out stuff here and there, but if it's if somebody came up to me and asked me a long sentence, like a question in German, I'd just be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. You know, as as long as you don't forget to pump it when you're on tour with them, then everything's <laughs> yeah. fine. You know, so. I I have a feeling it's so funny because what people see of them, and it goes back to what you guys you were talking about with your band, and I love this with music when the the show becomes theatrical it becomes a giant work of art like i love that and one of the things that eskimo wow electric cowboy sorry they changed their name i haven't done that in a while uh one of the things that they do that not a lot of bands in that genre that metalcore scene do is they do make it very theatrical in their own sense every music video we've seen from them is different outfits and different crazy stuff and what we see of them 
is so over the top. And I feel like when I get on the road with them, they're just going to be so normal and so tame, <laughs> you know, behind yeah, the scenes. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's, it's, it's funny with them that they, they seem to have found their very own weird kind of niche. Yes. Like, like, uh, mostly, uh, how, when you look at them, it's yeah. like, and I, I'm actually very interested in, how Americans or people from out of Germany actually get the sense of humor because the way they look is it's a little, it's something very German with this weird kind of haircut. It's something you mostly have in Germany, Austria, and maybe the Netherlands and Denmark. Let's call it some, this weird middle European white trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. What you're saying. So, so it's, so it's um, it, the way they put it, it's, it's actually not very international. So I'm super interested if people get this kind of, I, you know, this kind of vibe. And I think they will because it's, it's, it's super interesting. It's so, it's so fucking German how they, how they look really. Well, the, the yeah. one, the one thing that, so I'm, I'm more immersed with European cultures right now than I ever have been because of this stuff. Most of the music I check out on my YouTube channel is from Europe. Um, a lot of it's German, uh, Finland, Sweden, um, you know, there's been a, quite a few Belgian bands now. And one of the stereotypes that people outside of Germany have for Germans is that Germans don't have a sense of humor. And the one thing that I've learned from doing all this is Germans to me are some of the funnier people I've ever met <laughs> of any place I've been in the world. Yeah, maybe, you know, you know, that might be the thing with irony. I, I, I would say like. German humor is very dry and a lot about irony. This is one of the reasons why I, at the same time, when I stopped drinking, I stopped using emojis or I stopped uh, punctuation symbols as little nice faces or something, because I actually do not want any signs in the written language to explain people if I'm making a joke or not. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm... I'm I'm not using them, and maybe that's part of my humor. But it's also part of the way I, I actually realized that it took me more time to find the perfect weird little looking face <laughs> to explain that I'm being funny than just actually writing what I wanted to say. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm not I'm not using them. A little advice to everyone who's watching who might uh, be the admin of a Chris Harms fake profile on Instagram or on Tinder or whatever, because they're like billions. Yeah. If, if, if you, you Chris Harms write with fans or two fans, don't use emojis because I don't use them. <laughs> if you want to copy me, don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. One of the, <laughs> one of the, the just another final anecdote to the German humor is I did a tour once where our crew bus driver was this German guy named Hans. And he <laughs> was like, it's, it's the most German name. And yeah. And every, every morning, every single morning, when somebody asked him, how are you doing? They'd be like, Hey Hans, how are you doing? He'd be like, why do you ask? <laughs> and we were like, is he this dry and this unemotional? And then we figured out like months later, he did it because he was joking and he knew everybody didn't take it correctly. <laughs> like, you know, so to him, it was funny. And I, yeah. I'd love that. And I, I speak to so many German artists now, um, you know, 
Um, Hans from Feuerschwanz is another person I talk to quite often. Um, the guys from Electric Callboy, and there are a lot of other um, German bands and people at labels too. That I just I've I've gotten so used to the German humor now that I don't even think anything of it. Like I I've got a pretty good gauge on when somebody's just being funny or ironic or something like that. But um, I want to I want to talk again more about touring because you guys have a really cool tour coming up. But before we get into that, I I want to lead into it with this. So by the time this podcast gets released, um, it will be available, but you have an EP coming out soon called The Heartbeat of the Devil, which was one of the tracks on Judas. Um, new versions. So it's, 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 it's actually, sorry, it's, it's actually a single, but the label preferred to call it EP. Okay. So let, let, let me be honest here. Okay. It was just one of the tiny moments where, I, where me and the label were disagreeing. And I agreed with them to call it EP because it's better marketing-wise. But to be fair, it's a single with a hell of a lot of B-sides. <laughs> yeah, okay, so and that's so we'll call it the single for Heartbeat of the Devil. And that's what I was yeah. going to bring up. So it's got yeah. it's got the the single edit of the song on there with another version and then a, a few covers. Um, that's going to release on May sixth from Napalm Records for anybody that's listening. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll have links to all that stuff in the description. But one of the covers on that single, not EP, is an Iron Maiden track. And then you guys are going to be doing some tour dates with Iron Maiden. You, I mean, tell, be honest. How does that feel? <laughs> Singing the track or being on tour with Iron Maiden? <laughs> getting a tour, get, I mean, getting a tour with Iron Maiden. I got to imagine um, that's got to be pretty cool. That was early 2020 or late 2019 and i sat in the studio <clears throat> and i received a call <clears throat> sorry from my booking agent and he was like hey chris are you sitting down at the moment i said yes and then he told me that iron maiden asked to have us on tour with them and uh yeah that was just unbelievable and now it's 2022 and we we still haven't been on tour with them yeah and uh Within the band and crew, we already started joking about maybe we should do this a headline for our biography in a couple of years when COVID keeps on spreading. We was like the band that nearly went on tour with Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Man, so, I, um, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So you've been sitting on this for almost three years now and it hasn't yes, even happened. Yes, yes. Oh, we, wow. we were, we've been announced in early or like in, in spring. I don't know when they announced this legacy of the beast world tour they announced all the support bands which were like i don't know seven bands that are splitting the dates internationally so they announced us as one of these bands and it should have happened in 2020 and it was postponed and postponed two times already so it's crazy waiting waiting yeah. for this because it's something i'm i don't have stage fright uh, but this is something that kind of really brings back stage fright. I'm very anxious about it. Super. I, I just want the first show to be over to know if I actually can manage playing in front of that many people that in, before Iron Maiden. Yeah. Because that's that's different than a festival. If you play very. a festival, yeah. people go there because there are like 50 bands playing and they like. 10 of them or 20 or yeah. 30 
But people that want to see big bands like Iron Maiden or Metallica or Rammstein or, you know, one of those global players, most of them, they come to see the band. So mm -hmm. support bands are either being not liked or hated or just not interesting. And they are just interesting to some. And if there are 50,000 people and just 1% likes you, it's already a lot of people. Yeah. But it's a different feeling. And we haven't been supporting a band for many years. And the supports we played were not that big. Yeah. So this is really, really new. And whoa, I I can't wait. And th yeah. yeah, that's one of one of the reasons why why we did that cover, because we are so thankful for that opportunity that for us it was the only logical thing to do a cover of them to kind of say thank you. Yeah. So it's and our to them, you know. Yeah, and it's a great move. And I think, you know, you and your band as artists, performers, entertainers, I bet realistically you'll have that sense of nervousness for like one song. You'll get through your first song on the first date and then you'll be like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is what we do, you know? Yeah, I think so. Totally. Yeah. But you, you you just need to get over it. You know, it's it's like, it's like, I don't know, jumping out of like, like parachute jumping out of yeah. the plane. You know, you the whole way up there, you fucking hate it. And jumping out is the hardest, but as soon as you fly, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we get it. Too, and when I say we, I mean roadies, like we get it too sometimes. There's been festivals or big shows we've done where I've worked for bands that are just doing something cool or something like that, where for some reason, even though I'm not the artist on the stage, we get nervous as a crew and we're like, this is a very important show and it has to go good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, it's, it's some, sometimes um, the responsibility of the crew is much bigger than the band because as mm -hmm. soon as everything is set up and the band comes with their own monitoring system and all that shit, actually nothing bad can happen. Mm -hmm. But you as a crew, you have to make that work. So I, yeah. I totally get when our crew members are being nervous about things. Yeah. And I always tell people when they when people ask me, what does a roadie actually do? I was like, the entire point of my job is that no matter what happens is to just make sure everything is ready to go. So all an artist has to do is walk on stage and play. They don't need to yeah. know how their amp is working that day. They don't need to know if. I had to replace the tubes in it, or if I had to fix a neck on a guitar, they just need to know that it's going to work when they play. And that's what we do. That's, that's, that's what we are always telling our crew. We're like, hey, we totally understand when you guys are nervous or if, I don't know, things go south and you have to, to move worlds to make the show happen, but tell us after the show. <laughs> yeah, I but, I learned that the hard way with yeah. an artist once. When I was very yeah. young in my in my career, I was bass teching for somebody that I always told him when there was a problem, and yeah. I think I I think there was a sense in my head that I was trying to prove myself. I wanted him to know there was a problem and I fixed it. And at one point he pulled me aside uh, and was just like, "Listen, man, I appreciate the work that you do." but you don't need to tell me everything that you had to do during a day. Like, just make it work. Just as long as it works, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Totally. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I told the crew because um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so 
I'm not an unexperienced audio technician. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. So I told them, if I can be of any help, and there's a problem, then then tell me. Yeah, if if I can't help, don't tell me. If I can help, it, it might uh, make things quicker. Then just ask me. I might have an idea. Yeah. And so so sometimes they come like, hey Chris, we're having a problem with that kind of thing. Do you have an have an idea? And sometimes then we can work on something, because it's making me sometimes it's making me more nervous when like the whole communication on the in ear at the festival change over suddenly you realize five minutes you don't hear anything so they are talking internally without having us hear it so yeah. like okay that's a problem <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. so that was like if i can help please say something so yeah yeah and there's you know there's so much that um artists and bands have to do during the day as well that you know that's i mean the main job of a tech or an audio engineer or a lighting director or stuff like that is is to take the workload away from the band i mean people people see their favorite bands on stage and then don't realize that during the day they have so many other things that are going on whether it's media related or you know press or a local radio station or something like that that you know there's just so much going on that everybody has such a specific job that it's like you don't want to bother somebody else with those problems because they have other things going on already. It's not like it's not like most of these bands are just sitting around just doing nothing all day. Some of them probably can if Some at them, times, yeah, sure. but yeah. but everybody's usually busy. So yeah, I mean, mo most people actually think that we're like partying all day <laughs> and like uh, having sex with groupies or whatever like all day of course all day yeah. and it's um even more funny sometimes when i tell people like hey on tour especially on nightliner tours i tend to sleep like until 11 or 12 and i get in and the crew is already setting up the stage and they're like oh is this really like like you sleep so long maybe you should get up early and do some work stuff you're such a lazy person like hey being on tour might be my only chance to actually sleep long and long for me means eight hours so i go to bed at three in the nightliner so i sleep until 11 and what i'm doing there is not drinking and having party i'm answering emails doing yeah. interviews i'm actually after the show, I'm actually still working two hours on the tour bus. So yeah. people don't see that. So they just see like someone coming out of the bus, like tired uh, at 12 at noon. And they think like, oh, rock star. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Like, oh, dude. Yeah. No stereotypes, but it's fine. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't want to complain. It was my decision to do this job. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's funny because I actually I don't I don't want to say this too loud because I don't want my wife to hear it. But one of the th <laughs> one of the things I'm really excited about actually about going back out on tour is sleep because as I said, we have a one year old, and yeah. I I can't tell you the last time my wife or I slept through the night. It's it's been at least since she was born. But you. When uh, the kid is one year old, then you're like about to get over the hump because yeah. that is that is a time where things ease up a little. Yeah. yeah, she's she's starting to sleep better. She's been walking for five months. She's almost 14 right. months now. And she started talking a little bit, which is just it, it, this has been one of the most like wild, magical 
experiences of my life. Like my wife and I went from not even knowing if we wanted to have children to now we have a kid we couldn't imagine not having her with us. There's no perfect moment, and uh, since when it's there, it's there, and it 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 can't be better. Yeah. And there's so there's so many things to explore. Uh, you always think like, okay, now I've seen everything, but they're growing up, and every day there's a first time for something new. Every yeah. day, it's it's amazing. And the, and the music thing again, going back to it, actually, one of the you'll probably find this funny. One of the bands she loves when we put their music videos on, Eisenfunk. <laughs> Like, we, we played her, we put, we put Pong by Eisenfunk on once and it was the first time she ever like danced. She sat, looked at the TV and just It's so funny that you say Eisenfunk because you as an American, you must understand that word in a very different direction because actually it's Eisenfunk because it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean funk like the genre. Funk is the German word for for communication over the radio, like oh. like you know, a, a, a walkie-talkie. That is a Funkgerät, a, a talking device. So it's Eisenfunk. Oh, nobody's ever corrected yeah. me on that. Every time yeah, I've it's, ever it's, said it on Discord, nobody's told me that. No, it's actually not. As as lo- maybe I'm wrong here, but but this is how. I've been I, I've been told about their band. It's like those. Yeah. It's two two German words like Eisen for iron, and uh, Funk for yeah, radio communication. Interesting, yeah. Because as an American that just reads English like that, yeah, yeah. Even knowing a little German, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have put that together until you said it. That's interesting. There's actually yeah. there's actually a lot of a German music I've been getting into that's probably like I'm one of the only Americans that has ever heard it. Like. Um, What's that old? It's it's older, but uh, Eins zwei Polizei. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God! Somebody showed me that song recently. It's like one of my favorite things ever. And I've actually been listening to bands like um, I'll probably slaughter the pronunciation, but uh, Icebreka as well. I've been listening to them for years. It's actually not that uh, we we've been on tour with them uh, mm-hmm. ten years ago. We were supporting them. It's actually not uh, if you want to pronounce it correctly. It's ice re here. It's the sh- ah the, the, okay. The, 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 the ch can be two things. It can be a ch and it can be a sh. Yeah. And in this uh, sense, it's icebrecher. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. And it That's means actually... it's it, it's it's one of these one of these ships that just break the ice like icebreakers. So. Yeah. That's actually one of the most difficult things for German for me so far is um, the CHs. Whenever I see the yeah. CH together, I don't know which sound it's going to be. There, there, there's some rules about it with some exceptions. But yeah, the Eisbrecher is like like the one in I, in Ich. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And there's there, the hardest part too. And this is so fascinating about language to me because it's been trying to teach me... Uh, pronouns lately and every i have to memorize them because there is no certain set rule for i mean there are some rules that you can go by but let's take spanish for example you can look at a word and if it ends in an o or an a you know whether it's masculine or feminine easily Mm -hmm. but when i've been learning german there really is no specific way to just see a word and know so there's been a couple times where i've said something to the germans on our discord and i'm like oh did i say that pronoun right and they're like no, but it doesn't really matter because if you go to a different part of Germany, they would say it just like that. <laughs> so I'm like, 
yeah, yeah. And, and and then in germany like you have three you have like male female and and, and neutral it. yeah neutral yeah. uh yes yeah fucking crazy <laughs> it's 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 fun though man i love it i mean yeah. and i i took spanish when i was younger and i just i love german i've been trying to say some of the words to my daughter like to help me practice um like when she was young i would pick her up and i'd say ich bin dein vater and my wife would be like don't confuse her <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 you know that's that's actually a star wars line oh like, <laughs> In, in Germany, it's like that. He says, Luke, ich bin dein Vater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, so great, man. Oh, uh, so before before we wrap up here, I, there's a couple things I wanted to ask you about. Um, I, I watched um, a reaction that you did with Mark from Cardivox Academy. Um, yeah, this was quite a was while ago. I'm actually taking a vocal lesson from him on Monday. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I used to do vocals in my band and I've been wanting to start doing covers on YouTube. And to be honest, I just don't know what I'm doing. I know how to make the sounds, but I don't know what I'm doing. But correct Same me. Same with me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to ask you. I, I yes. thought I remembered you saying that you actually never really did any vocal training or no. lessons or anything. No, I ne never did. It was super interesting when when he was analyzing my vocals. <laughs> but when 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 I when I saw the first reaction that he did alone without me, I was like, "Hmm, okay, those things that I do, those techniques, they they actually have names." Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> so he explained like, and then he did, does that, this, and that, blah blah blah. So I, I never think about that. I just close my eyes and I I try to sing the way I. I feel because this is what it's all about. The voice for me is the strongest instrument to transport an emotion to one person, to another or to many. And um, yeah, I had some vocal lessons like two or three, 20 years ago, just to learn some, some breathing techniques. So, you know, because a friend of mine was a vocal teacher and was like, Hey, come on, I just sh show you some stuff, but I never booked actually a lesson. Because back then, first it was like, I don't need it. I'm good enough. Yeah. That was when I was 18, 19, 20. Then I realized I'm not that good. and was like, I'm never going to be that good. They can't help me. And then I started like really feeling, feeling comfortable with what I am. And right now I just don't feel the need to know the things, how I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. And I feel very comfortable rehearsing on my own. I, I prepared like a lot. I did shitloads of hours preparing for Judas and also for the last record we just recorded. And I'm happy that way at the moment. But maybe there will be a point where I'm like, I want help to get inspired. Yeah. It's it, did you were you always from a young age interested in singing or was it something that came out of necessity when you were joining bands? I think as a kid, I never pictured myself as a singer. I pictured myself as a musician mm -hmm. also on, on stage, but I think I didn't actually play. I didn't actually, I, w I wasn't singing. I think I played drums in my, <laughs> in my mind Yeah, because it's like riding a tank. It's like <laughs> you have the biggest, biggest instrument. Um, 
I actually I wanted to be a drummer, although I was a classical cello player. I always pictured myself as a drummer, I think. And then there were like the first bands and no one was really singing. I was like, I have this songwriting talent in me, which was which I did explore kind of early. So writing the songs, kind of showing the songs to other people, I was forced to sing them. So no one actually ever questioned if we should need a singer or something. So it just mm. happened. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. similar in, in the town that I grew up in. Nobody had a bass player. And I never wanted to play bass. I wanted to play guitar. But I was like, well, everybody needs a bass player, so I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So this, this is actually like if you want to have if you want if you raise a kid and the kid is interested in being a musician and you want your kid to be a rich musician, teach him how to play a classical harp like the, the huge ones in orchestras, yeah. because in Europe, all orchestras, they don't have enough harp players because oh. th there's no next generation. So they can make deals. They, they, they are the highest paid classical instrumentalists in an orchestra so interesting kids, learn the harp <laughs> and play an orchestra you, you're gonna be rich <laughs> oh wow i never knew that like at a young age yeah. for me i uh i originally tried playing piano and mm -hmm. i i don't know why i lost interest but i did very fast and then i started playing saxophone and i played saxophone for years and then, you know, seeing all these rock stars and stuff like that, I wanted to do that. So the funniest thing is everybody assumes because I'm a guitar tech that I'm really good at guitar. I'm terrible. I don't play guitar. I play drums and bass. <laughs> so if, if, if we ever book you on a tour as a tech, could you play Careless Whisper on the Nightliner for us then on a saxophone? No, 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 I know. I'm trying to think if I could. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I was I was I know you're joking, but I was in my mind yeah. I'm trying to give you a serious answer. I think I, 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 I wasn't I wasn't joking actually. Oh, okay. I think I think I think it if we book you for a tour, I'd ask you to do Okay, well then I'll make a deal with you. If I ever go out and work for you guys, I will bring my saxophone and I will make sure that that is the only thing I can play. I'm, okay. I was literally trying to think in my mind. I was like, I used to be, and, and I, I, I try and say this humbly, but I used to be very good at saxophone. Great. And I don't know if I picked it up now, if I'd still have that same technique or be able to do it well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's a thing that I, I tried to, I tried different wind instruments and the whole technique, how to produce a tone mm -hmm. is so special with all of these instruments. I can only imagine how it feels like if you don't practice enough it's yeah. the same like with a classical instrument playing the cello you don't have any frets like on a guitar mm -hmm. so it's not like picking at the right space and the instrument is in tune everything's fine actually just one millimeter on the fret board uh, on the no fret board <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like actually one millimeter changes something and i can totally feel that when i'm playing it it's not like picking up a guitar it's really getting back into this free intonation is super heavy. Mm -hmm. And this, this, this is one of the most challenging thing I'm doing on our classical tours, because there are some songs where I'm actually playing the cello while I'm singing and both instruments, the voice and the cello, they don't have any semitone frets or something. So you have to intonate two of these three instruments at the same time, which is um, not easy, but I kind of 
managed to do it. I so. mean, that's that's a whole other level of difficulty, but just playing and singing alone, I like I watch some guitar players that I've toured with that um like the last guy in the country industry that I worked for, he did a lot of songs where he played acoustic and sang along with it. And just for fun, I would try and practice it. And I was like, I don't know how he has the coordination to play this and sing this at the same time. It's it's like uh, with some metal bands, it's so wow. I mean, if you watch Matt Heafy, for instance. Oh, yeah. What, what, what he's playing while singing or uh, what's his name? The guy from Machine Head. Oh, um, Rob Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Rob Flynn. Wow. What, three yeah. hours they have those long sets and he's like playing like like different rhythms wow fucking crazy yeah. when i pick up when i pick up a guitar a lot of lost shows i always make sure that i'm just playing easy parts because my guitar is not needed on a lot of lost stage yeah. i just i just like to play it because i love it but no one needs it so i'm i just play like yeah. along the easy chords so yeah i remember the the first time in my life i was so blown away by that was when i saw um children of Bodom. When the stuff oh, yeah. that Alexi Laiho used to play, like, I mean, he's playing all the leads in that band and then singing over it. And it's just like the the amount of coordination behind that is is just mind blowing to me, man. And he I he could... was an amazing guy. We, we just talked about him being in Finland a couple of weeks back because, of course, every one of our Finnish friends in that music scene, everyone knew him personally. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, he was a big one. That was that was one of the the few times because, I mean, this is life. People pass away. Things happen. But that was one of the first ones that um, when I got that news, like I was I was I was tearing up a bit, man. I was emotionally wrecked because Children of Bodom was my gateway to that kind of sound when I was younger. And they got me into a lot of the Finnish and Swedish, um, you know, melodic death metal bands and stuff like that. And he was just one of those people to me at a young age that was just so larger than life and was such a rock star that when I saw that news, I was just like gutted, you know. And no, but again, absolutely. it's it, it, it's life; it's bound to happen at some point, you know. So, but man, it's I I'm so excited just from the things we've talked about, man. I do you do you have any plans to come to the U.S. anytime soon or no? Uh. Yes and no. You know, if, if we would have made plans much earlier, if there uh, wouldn't have been COVID or yeah. if there wasn't COVID still going on. Um, last time we tried, we really had issues. Um, I, I produced um, a KMFDM record in 2016, 2017. What, so I also did? Yeah. Hell yeah. I did not know that. I love yeah. that band. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and and I also played in the band for for a year. I played guitars be right. because he, he he was in need of guitar players, and um, the old guitar players left him. And he lives in my hometown. He lives here in Hamburg as well. So um, he asked me and uh, Pi, our uh, Lord of Lost guitar player. So we played one European tour with KMFDM and Lord of Lost. So I, I got to play two. I was headliner and support. Um, so Lord of Lost was supporting KMFDM and we played some festivals. And then he wanted to get us to the US, like Lord of Lost being support for KMFDM in the US and also me and P playing in, in KMFDM. And then there, it was the year where Trump did this example on like many bands also like at this uh, South by Southwest. So what's the festival? South by South Southwest. Yeah. South by Southwest 
West Festival, like many visas got cancelled and it, it must have been some kind of sign to the outside world like, hey, we don't need you from Europe. So the whole visa yeah. process took 10 months. We did it with a lawyer, 10 months, and they were asking for new documents all the time. And we were already in a five digit number of costs just for the visa um, lawyer. And in the end, they didn't give it to us. So we were kind of pissed about that. So we said, like, we won't come back as long as Trump is up there. Now yeah. he isn't. So and now we have a good new connection to kind of actually handle this uh, with Napalm Records. Um, so we will try. But first, yeah. we need to do our European stuff here and make yeah. it up to all those people that have been waiting here. But we have plans. But not before 2024 i think okay i yeah i, I wouldn't know how, wouldn't know how so t two things the first of all um really quick before i forget i forgot uh kmfdm another band that was on that mortal Kombat soundtrack with typo negative and fear factory that's how i <laughs> yeah. discovered them and scooter was on it as well um but the, v the visa thing is crazy and in mm. the last episode where i talked to tom about that he was telling me how difficult it is for them as well just to and I, I never knew this. I was so naive to the to the US um, visa system with other countries and stuff because we're a little spoiled. Every time I've ever toured anywhere, and I've done world tours, I've been to countries all over, I've never had to get a visa. And when I worked for a band from Canada, I was the only American on the tour, and they were talking about visas one day, and I was like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, yeah. are, just, are visas coming in? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, do you not need to get a visa when you go work in Canada? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, that's a bunch of bullshit because we have to go through, you know, and I realized I didn't know this, that when Americans go to other countries, we really don't have to do that. And I don't no. know why. And I never knew that until recently. Yeah, it's like because mo it's very easy. Most countries in the world, they don't want that. They don't need that. So mm -hmm. but if you're living in a country that actually expects visa from others, and you go outside, it's easy. Yeah. And the, the, the interesting thing was that we did not expect that American visa would be so much more complicated than Russian visa, because by the time we already played six Russian tours or something, where you also have to do a visa. Okay, right now it's a different problem. But um, back then, you just, there was a visa process that, yeah, it costs some money, it takes a little bit amount of work like one or two hours filling out some stuff maybe a couple of questions that's it we went to china of course th th there was some bureaucracy as well yeah chinese bureaucracy <laughs> but uh <laughs> it, it worked so and then america damn damn so, man. and and the, the the even more interesting was that Two years later, I tried to, or one year later, I tried to get to the U.S. privately because 70% of my family is living in the U.S. because I, they, most of them were like fleeing after World War II. They went to the U.S. So there's mm -hmm. a whole uh, part, big family of mine in Florida and Texas and California. And um, I didn't get a private visa because of the things that we posted on Facebook about the, the no, work visa. No so way. I, I, yeah, so so I was an uh, unwanted person. <laughs> that as as an American, yeah. that's that's it's upsetting to hear that because not only <laughs> not only just for the private visa, but also the work visa. Where hearing 
how much like you know uh, americans love music and all that and hearing what other bands from other countries have to go through just to get over here and play that's that's a little uh it's a little disappointing. And all the money, man. When, when we went there, like, or when we wanted to go there with KMFDM, and you have all those visa lawyer costs, and you booked the tour bus, and you printed merch, and you bought flight tickets, and then two weeks before the tour, you don't get your visa. Oh. Man, so much money for nothing. So, yeah. but, but we don't give up, because I... You know, there's, we have fans there, and I love the States, and I have family there, and we played this little rock and roll road tour there in 2014, just like us in a small bus and two other bands and like 30 people per show, you know, like real yeah. rock and roll. We, we loved it. So I, I want this experience, and I, I would come back for a little road trip tour. I don't need, like, sold-out big, sh big shows there. It, yeah. it would be lovely, but I'd come back to play at bar sinister again in front of 50 people yeah i'd love that yeah and I, i'm sure there'd be a lot of people here that would would love it as well i mean you know in the last couple of years with the pandemic i feel like there's been more music discoveries from people than ever because of yeah. social media and online and all that stuff um excuse me so we're nearing the end of our time and i don't want to keep you any longer than i've already had you but just as a reminder to everybody that's listening, the single, The Heartbeat of the Devil, comes out on May 6th from Napalm Records. Actually, by the time this comes out, it will be out. So um, I want to ask you, I ask all artists this that come on, you've got years and years of experience in the music industry. What is the best way for somebody that likes Lord of the Lost? What are some of the best ways that they could help support you guys right now? Uh, for a German person, I'd say buy merch because this is like real, real direct money, mm -hmm. of course. Um, because like this is an international show and also like many Americans will listen. You, you don't want to buy a shirt for $20 or 25 or 30 I don't know, and pay $40 for the postman. Oh, I've done that. So uh, <laughs> yeah. thank you. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a real interesting question. What what actually supports most at the moment? I think social media is not dead yet. So um, all these all these YouTube and Spotify things, like like sharing music, actually telling people, I think this really really still helps because mm -hmm. as so, as soon as you get over a certain point on YouTube, you get in. If you have a new kind of algorithm where some videos just fly off because many mm -hmm. people are commenting and sharing and stuff, you know, but um, I'm the kind of person right now, I'd say it's, it, this is just music. Just make, make your loved ones happy. That's much more important. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So. No, great answer, man. And, um, you know, again, for anybody that's listening um, on YouTube, I'll have links to all the places where you can go support the band. Harpy of the Devil is out, came out on May 6th, and I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm going to, I've already pre-ordered it. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. And I know, um, I probably we, know. We, we're going to have a music video for that. Okay. I was, I was, yeah. I was just about yeah. to say that, yeah. but I didn't know if that was public knowledge because I've already been told that there is going to be a music video out, which I will be doing a yeah. reaction to that one while this podcast comes out. So 
it's going to be super super 80s yes awesome we we all we all also have it in the four to three format oh really <laughs> yeah. no way i saw another another band did that recently and i was just like what is this it looks like like 1980s mtv <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's it's so it's so wrong it just had to be done Oh, well, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, listen, I very much appreciate the time that you took to do this podcast episode. This was great to just sit and talk to you. Um, Same. Thank you. Yeah. If there's anything that I can ever do to help you out or help the band out, please don't hesitate to ask. Um, Um, You can already try rehearsing um, the... Careless Whisper. Uh, yeah, Careless Whisper thing. So. You know what? I'm I'm going to go in my attic. I, I'm not kidding you. I'm yeah. going to go in my attic and pull down my yeah. saxophone. And if I can... Because as, as, soon, as soon as we're doing the US tour, you're going to be one of the first people I'm asking to All work right. for us. So. For sure, man. That'll yeah. be great. So, well, I'm going to try and pull it down and figure it out. And if I can, I'll at least like, maybe I'll just send you a video in the meantime or something and get you by for now. Please. (laughs) Well, Chris, thank you very, very, very much. I hope you have a wonderful night and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Take care, man. Thank you so very much to Chris for joining us for this episode, man. That was an absolute blast to get to talk to him, man. And time really flew by. And speaking of time, it's always interesting doing these episodes because there's often quite a time difference from where I am and where a lot of these artists are. And in this specific case, you know, it was pretty late evening going on to night for Chris. So I I really do appreciate the time that he took to do this because two hours is a lot of time to just sit and talk, man. But it was great. I loved doing it. I hope you guys really enjoyed it too. And just as a reminder, that brand new EP or single, as Chris would call it, is available now. It's called The Heartbeat of the Devil. It released on May 6th, 2022 from Napalm Records. And these guys are getting ready to go on tour all over the place for the rest of the year. So make sure you head over to lordofthelost.de. Keep up with them on social media. Check out the merchandise. See the different ways you can support the band and all of that good stuff, man. And one more time, as a reminder, there are both video and audio versions of these podcast episodes available. So if you want to see the guests and myself talking on camera, you can head over to youtube.com slash tank the tech, or you can just find the audio on Spotify, Google, Apple, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts, which I understand audio is way easier sometimes, especially if people are, you know, driving or going to work. I know I myself listen to a lot of podcasts in the car, so tried to make it available in every different way that I could for you guys. But we are super, super busy with the schedule for this, man. As I said in one of the previous episodes, I never thought that this podcast was going to get as busy as it did right away. But I've already got more guests lined up. I've already got tons of episodes that I need to edit and get out. And if I'm not mistaken, our next episode, episode nine, will feature Ali Richardson, the drummer of Scottish metal band Bleed From Within. They have a new album coming out. They have a huge touring schedule going on. So be on the lookout for that episode because we had a great conversation. It was a shorter one than normal, but there was a reason for that. These guys are insanely busy, and I just didn't want to take too much of his time away from what he had to do with the work from the actual band, so. 
Man, once again, uh, thank you to Chris. Thank you to every single one of you that are listening. Be on the lookout for more episodes. If you want to follow me along more personally, you can check me out on social media. I'm on a lot of stuff, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that. My handle on everything is at tank the tech. And until next time, be safe, be kind to each other. And I will see you very soon for another episode of the back lounge podcast.